Hello there, my name is McNeil and you are listening to the McNeil and Friends Podcast. Here I invite different people to talk about movies. We talk about movies that are currently playing in the theaters and topics related to cinema. If you like this type of content, be sure to follow my podcast on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also support my podcast by telling your friends. And if you don't have any, you can tell your family. Thank you for listening. Before the episode starts, I wanted to talk about something that I thought was important, and joining me today is my friend Tim. How's it going, Tim? Going good, man. Going good. Yeah, so uh, after this mini prelude segment to this episode, you'll hear the actual episode start and that Tim and I pre-recorded a couple weeks ago, and uh, as you guys probably know by clicking on this episode, we are talking about our top 10 favorite endings, and in this episode, we discuss the endings of both Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, and uh, we also centered part of our conversation around the character of Black Panther and what the ending of those movies meant for that superhero. And a few days ago, it was reported that Chadwick Boseman, the actor who portrayed Black Panther, passed away from colon cancer, which is really sad and extremely unfortunate, and uh, I didn't want to upload this episode talking about those two movies and mentioning that character without acknowledging the death of Chadwick Boseman. Uh, but Tim, you were actually the one who told me about this, you texted me and I was just super shocked by it. And I'm sure you were too, just like everybody else, you know? Yeah, I dude, I couldn't believe it. I really was, I was sitting on my wife watching a movie. Um, one of these ones recommended actually. And, um, I had to pause it. I was really taken aback. Um, there's a lot that kind of goes with finding out that, you know, a good iconic actor has passed. Um, you, he does such a great job of bringing you into the movie with him. And so you feel like you knew him. You feel like you knew who he was. You know, I may not have known him personally, but like he made a great impact on a lot of people yeah. um, with a lot of his great movies. So, yeah, dude, for real, it's yeah, that's yeah, and stuff. Yeah, what's really crazy is that, you know, he was cast as Black Panther, obviously, for Captain America Civil War. And then they shot that movie in 2015. And then in 2016, right after right around the time the movie came out, he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer and then went, I guess, straight on to filming Black Panther, you know, which is crazy because I read that, yeah. you know, I mean, at the same time, he's obviously training to get in shape for the movie, but then having to go back and forth between doing that and having chemo and surgeries, you know, and then goes on to film Infinity War and Endgame, which is crazy. I mean, he the dude was a legend for sure, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the the his his legacy has an impact just just because his his movies in general, and I think specifically to us, we love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and I think for him to come up with a movie like Black Panther reaches to, especially for me as an African American myself, like to young boys and girls, um, you know, black and African American that have a hero for themselves and someone that they can look up to. And it's funny because hearing interviews about him talking about it, he talks about how the movie really doesn't have a villain. It's two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And I, when I watched it, that was one of the first things I came away with was was like, I don't actually think that either of those sides were wrong. They were extreme in their area and both of them kind of had some coming together. And I think that's what the ending actually ended up, you know, showing is like, we can help each other out um, whether it's technologically advanced or inner city, like really brute force, like really strong militarized, um, 
And so there are ways we can help each other. And I think he, his speech at the end is super iconic too about kind of bringing everybody together as one tribe. And like you said, dude, for for four years, yeah, um, he didn't come out right away and announce it and say, hey, listen, I have cancer. Um, no, he just battled and he just continued making movies. And it w- that, that, that still blows my mind. Like he didn't use it as an excuse. So I, I think that that's super impactful for me. And I, and I kept thinking to myself, man, I got no excuse. I, I, like I am healthy as far as I know right now. And like I have a good body that can do what it needs to do. And I need to get out there and start doing stuff. This man did it. And he had all the, like really the excuse in the world, you know? Yeah. And he just kept rolling. And I think that was, that's incredible to acknowledge and just own as his legacy. So I, I, I really commend the guy and I, you know, may you rest in peace. And as people say, rest in power too, dude, he's, he is the black Panther. And I think everybody will remember him that way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I totally, totally understand everything you're saying and, uh, I agree, you know, and it's, uh, it's really sad he passed away and it's just, it's shocking, you know, cause, um, like what he did with the black Panther movie was iconic. And, uh, it seems like a lot of people were very shocked. Like even the other cast members from, uh, Avengers, and the, the other cast, uh, the other cast members in Black Panther, and even like directors and producers and stuff, seems like he kept it very personal, mm-hmm. and was you know working, filming movies like Adventures and even other movies outside of that. And then while he had cancer, you know, he was going to children's hospitals to visit kids with cancer. Man, incredible. Um, so he just seems like he just seemed like such a great guy. You know, it's really unfortunate he passed away. Um, but what was really cool about him playing Black Panther for me was that he was from South Carolina and I've lived in South Carolina, still do I've lived in South Carolina my entire life, you know? And, um, so I thought that was really cool. Like to have somebody from South Carolina, um, you know, represent South Carolina in the MCU, you know? And I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so cool. Yeah. And he grew up like about, I think somewhere around 45 minutes away from where I did. And mm-hmm. it was just really cool. And it really sucks that he passed away because he was such, he seemed like such a great guy and um, he was a great actor and he was awesome as Black Panther, you know? But yeah, like, like rest in peace, Incredible. Chadwick Boseman. What, I mean, what, yeah, dude, what a, what a legacy, dude. What a legacy. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. My man. I just wanted to acknowledge this because I felt like we just like couldn't ignore it after, you know, talking about those two movies and mentioning his character and like what happens with his character and, and the endings of those two movies, you know, and, um, yeah, I just felt like it was important to address, you know? Oh yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you. And you're right. There's a lot of questions up in the air, but I think at the time it's just acknowledging how great the guy was and just, you know, going on from there. Well, you know, movies will come, movies will go. Yeah. Um, but people in their lives and like the legacy that he left is definitely incredible. And, and one that we, we got to acknowledge, uh, a good upstanding yeah. person. And like you said, awesome native from South Carolina. So that was has a deep hit for us too, you know, just being living in South Carolina too. So that's, yeah, it's incredible. What's up everybody. Welcome back to another episode in the movie screen quarantine series. If you're new here, what I'm doing is I'm inviting friends through zoom to talk about any topic regarding movies. Today I'm here with my friend, Tim, and we're going to talk about our top 10 favorite movie endings. How's it going, Tim? Dude, it's going well. Looking forward to this as always, dude. It's just been a good time. Good quarantine. Good time listening to some good podcast too. So I'm enjoying this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to have you back, man. I know you've been on this podcast plenty of times, but uh, I guess for the people who may not have heard you yet or people listening for the first time, talk a little bit about why you like movies. Dude, movies are just a great way to escape. Um, I teach for a living, so um, you're in front of people doing a lot of social things, but I also kind of like to be by myself, a recharge introvertedly. So 
um, watching a movie and just kind Likewise. of immersing myself. <laughs> yeah, in like just a story, um, a great fantasy or a great fiction or a great mystery um, is a good way to kind of just escape and just kind of like dig into other people's minds because obviously the directors have some different things um, that they might be dealing with or concepts they want to get out there. Um, and just kind of having some fun and thinking and using your brain a little bit about trying to solve things or just trying to have fun and trying to just relax and just chill out for a little bit. So I love movies for just all aspects, music, action, um, just scaring the crap out of me, <laughs> some suspense, stuff like that too. So there's all, all yeah. aspects of it. It's just, it's just great. It's just fun, a good relaxer. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, so like I said, Tim and I are going to uh, we're going to be talking about our top 10 favorite movie endings. And I just did an episode on favorite opening scenes as well. So in a way, this is kind of like the cousin or sibling episode of that one or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so be sure to check out that episode. Give it a listen. Uh, I love finding out how movies end, trying to predict endings. I'm a huge fan of really great endings that are executed really well. Uh, but I realized putting this list together, I don't have a particular type of ending that I'm drawn to. So I don't necessarily have any form of specific criteria for deciding on my picks for this episode. But I kind of realized I like ambiguous endings that, you know, kind of leave it up for your interpretation or your imagination yep. to decide how things yep. go. I like unconventional endings, endings that are, you know, unexpected or not exactly normal. So generally these are more of the uh, negative endings, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, I like cliffhanger endings as well. You know, endings that kind of get you wondering about what's going to happen next, um, specifically, you know, kind of like for movie franchises and stuff like that. Uh, also some I like some thought provoking endings you know that kind of make you rethink everything you just watched uh, yep. those are really good and you know you know and since you know I'm a big fan and just like you you know we're both fans of you know big franchises like Marvel and Star Wars those big grand finale endings you know real satisfying conclusion after some giant action scene so but outside of that uh, outside of that context this type of ending is a bit too conventional for me but you know those are kind of some of the endings I like I kind of like different endings from all over the spectrum so my list has a decent amount of variety when it comes to the types of endings I included. But how about you, Tim? What what's your criteria? Dude, that's it. That's exactly one of the things I was thinking about um, when trying to put this list together. Because like when it comes to comes to endings, am I thinking like plot twist endings? Am I thinking like you know, like you said, like good, um, wholesome ending where it's kind of what I was thinking? You know, good guy wins that kind of thing. Um, yep. But I'm on the side where you're on, where it's just like I want something to kind of prick my mind and make me almost like want to rewatch it again because I was like you know what I didn't even think about that or holy cow that was going on the whole time I need to rewatch it just to see if I there are any hints that I missed and so like yeah. either immediately watching it right away or um just sitting there and like thinking about it or like discussing it with somebody over and over like how did I miss this and they were like oh dude but he said this in that one part and you're like oh crap I should have known that and like just kind yeah. of mulling it over I like that kind um or just a mm -hmm. major twist where I'm like oh shoot that's the end Oh man, that is insane. Yeah. That's that's the kind of stuff that makes you like the ambiguous endings totally yeah, throw it up in the air, sometimes make you think too. Um yeah, I got I just got a variety of stuff in there. It's gonna be good. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any honorable mentions? All right, so my honorable mentions, I got two. Um Memento. That one is a good have you seen Memento? Yeah. Okay. Good cult classic. Um good one that, that people have put out as well. Great twists and turns in there. Um, just a solid overall movie that just is a good one to put on there, as well as uh, The Sixth Sense. Uh, and I think you mentioned before that you've seen that one as well. Um, yeah. Some great twist endings. M. Night Shyamalan, dude's good. Um, always kind of notorious for his twist endings. Like Those are classic ones that I was like, 
oh, sweet. I didn't even think about that as I was kind of drawn into the movie and into the storyline. Like when they do a good job of just pulling me in um, and not knowing what's going on, then I'm like, sweet. You just totally got you totally got me. I was one of your audience members that totally was into it um, and was hook, line, sinker, totally at the end was twisted and like, oh, that was so awesome. But two great movies, Memento and Sixth Sense are definitely mine. What about yours? Uh, so an honorable mention here is Big Fish. It's, you know, it's got a very emotional ending. Uh, it's very meaningful and satisfying for this story. Uh, also, Contact is a great movie about science and religion and kind of how those topics can correlate. And it's about somebody who is very fact-oriented, very science-driven, and how that person was able to learn how to take on faith. It's a really cool movie. Great ending. Uh, Shutter Island. I love the ambiguity yes. oh, of yeah, the ending here. Yeah. And I kind of like the debate it gives the audience too. You know, you can kind of, it's kind of, it kind of leaves things up for your interpretation. So it's it's an interesting ending. Uh, also, Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Uh, very satisfying conclusion to the original Star Wars trilogy. Lots of depth behind everything that happened in the finale there. Um, and then Psycho, really iconic ending. I love the plot twist and re- and the reveal at the end. I didn't see it coming. I really should have, uh, but. Uh, and I kind of just like the explanation from the psychiatrist of everything that took place at the end of the movie is an interesting way to wrap, wrap up that story. But yeah, those are five honorable mentions for me. I have plenty of more that I could have <laughs> talked about, but, uh, but yeah, those are, those are the five I, I'm going to go with for my honorable mentions. But, um, before we jump into our top 10, I wanted to say that, you know, since we're going to be talking about endings, we're going to talk about spoilers about certain endings. If we've both seen the movie if one of us has not seen the movie the other person is talking about, we won't talk spoilers unless the person who has not seen the movie is okay with it being spoiled. So, Spoilers ahead, get ready for it. Yeah, so we're, I don't know what movies Tim's going to be talking about. He doesn't know the movies I'm going to be talking about, but we are going to be talking heavy spoilers. So we'll talk about the, we'll give you the title of the movie first. If you haven't seen it, skip forward, find one you have seen, and you can listen to that. Go back, check some other movies out, come back, listen to the ones that you hadn't seen before this episode. So uh, with that in mind, Tim, what is your number 10? All right, number 10, one of my favorite franchises in general, but the originals, uh, The Planet of the Apes. So okay. the big surprise ending about the fact where he do travels back into the future and sees the apes have taken over everything. Um, this is a good classic one where you're just getting sucked into what's going on. The apes are completely in control. Um, and then like, how that 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 ending is just like oh dude they completely run things now all because some dude decided he wanted to try to experiment with some apes um and do something as well as i think you knew that one already so i was like i was like oh, yeah man, i didn't even ask him but it, this is the you're talking about the original from yep. the 60s or something like that yeah i i think i've seen one of the original ones but i know the general story for most of them so yeah 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 so that's i think that's the i want to say that was one of the first there was a, I think it was a trilogy too, and that was like the first one, and then then they kind of did like a second and third after that when like the apes took over and they're like how they're running their government and stuff and how he had to do that. But yeah. that one was a great one and just seeing oh man they're experimenting on these animals, um and they're getting some intelligence oh man that's great we're gonna be able to in- bring them into society and then all of a sudden dude's like oh crap they're totally taking over um and that mm-hmm. so what happens at the end so I think that's um, that was my number ten good classic that I really enjoyed and I really really. Um, liked seeing as a kid too, just to see that twist. And yeah. never thought anybody do something like that. So I thought that was cool. Cool. Uh, so my number ten is Castaway. Have you seen Castaway? Yeah, I have seen Castaway. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So the interesting thing about this movie is that most people seem to not like the ending. 
for whatever reason. Dude, I remember I, I watched see, it for yeah. the first time. <laughs> yeah, I watched it for the first time, and people were like, I love that movie up until the end. Or they're just like, I hated that movie. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the the ending is honestly my favorite part about this movie because when I was watching it for the first time, I was sitting there thinking, I really hope that he doesn't go back to his and it's just his normal life. Yeah, I feel like that would just be a waste of everything about the you know the story. I want it to be realistic. So you have this guy, he's played by Tom Cruise. You know, he's stranded on an island for years because of a plane crash, and um, he goes. There's kind of two parts about this ending. So the first part is he goes back into the reality that he was from, but people had you know thought he died. It had been years at that point since they had seen him. So he visits the girl he was in love with, and you know she he finds out she's now married, has a kid. But they talk about you know how they still love each other, but then at the end she kind of um, decides she you know she can't leave her family, so she gives him the the keys to the car that they shared, and then. He leaves. That's kind of the first part of the ending. And I liked that they showed what it would actually be like if something like this were to happen. You know, people move on. It's been like four or five years, whatever. Um, but then also Tom Hanks was a guy who worked for FedEx and he crashed on a on a, a flight that was work related. And so while he was on this island, he found a package uh, from the crash. So at the end of the movie, he it shows him delivering the package with a note that says um, that that package saved his life. So then after that, he kind of, it's in the middle of nowhere, this house he drops it off at, but he stops in this crossroads, which was kind of symbolic in a way, because he doesn't know where he's going to go uh, and and for the next phase of his life or whatever. But he's not very far from that house. A woman drives up in the in a truck and stops to give him directions for each road at the crossroads. And then there's clearly some chemistry between the two of them. And then mm-hmm. she drives away after they talk briefly and then... Um, the movie kind of ends with him looking at each road and then turning around and looking at her and kind of smiling. My interpretation of that is just kind of, he goes back to her house, explains everything and then they fall in love and they live a happy life together. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of, kind of what I think, but cause it would suck for him to, you know, have a crappy life after everything he went through. But yes, I really loved that ending. It's a really great ending. I thought and some people didn't, most people seem to not, but hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And just a solid movie in general. Um, yeah. Great like performance said, no, but, from Tom Hanks. But very realistic. And that's the thing. Like, you don't want him to be just sitting around like, oh, what in the world, you know? Um, yeah. There's real stuff, real stuff that actually happened and stuff like that. So that that that's pretty good. I like that one. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, so what's your number nine? All right, number nine. I think you'll like this one. Okay. Gone Girl. Yes. So this yeah. one, like, it's funny because it's not exactly the ending as much as it's just like three-fourths of the way through, you start figuring out, Okay, here's what happened. But yeah, for her, I forget the girl's name. Is uh, um, the the char- the the actor, but uh, Ben Affleck and like her character, like they're both at odds with each other with this whole interpretation of different things and how they're able to live <laughs> to still it's live crazy. their lives together, like in front of. I mean, it's almost like what's going on today. Like people live their li- a cert- lives a certain way in yeah. front of. Uh, everyone else and then after that it's just like oh it's, it's insane like their their whole marriage is in shambles and everything's yeah. totally falling apart but like they have yeah. she, she's determined to like this is her way of getting back at him and yeah. it's oh man utterly insane it, utterly insane like there's just she plays so many good twists yes incredibly it's, so she's a psychopath yes she's crazy yes. hardcore Hardcore and it's not psycho. Like, it's not like Ben Affleck's character was a was a good guy, but 
what she did was just insane. Yes. You know? Oh, absolutely. And she just con- basically controls the outcome of his life forever. Man, and so good. And then, you know, the whole thing was you know, it's kind of about the media. The media showing you one thing and based off their story from the, you know, the whoever or they're they're depicting um why am I forgetting her name? That's the thing. I, yeah, I told you. I just forgot her name too. I couldn't remember her name. Amy Elliott Dunn. Amy Elliott Dunn. Okay, That's Dunn. Her name. Yes, there yeah. it is. There it is. So she, you know, she's controlling his life, but it's like the the media is showing one side of her as like the good guy. You know, yes. they're depicting her as like this this angel, and Ben Affleck was this terrible husband. But like once the cameras are gone, totally different story, and right? and, you ne- and nobody ever knows the truth. Dude, you know? it's, it, yeah, insane. Like, had an, it's totally like that that whole like trick, you know, where your face changes as your hand slides down your face. You're yeah, just like what what happened there? What happened there, dude? Exactly like that. She could totally yeah. change on a dime. It's it got was a, incredible. Yeah, it has a really interesting message when it comes to media. But yes, uh, yes. But yeah, yeah that that's a good one. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, my number nine. This is one I think you may not have seen yet. Once upon a time in Hollywood. No, I have not seen that one. I've not okay. seen that one yet. So how do you feel about spoilers? Um, I say that one, go for it. I don't mind. Okay, you sure? Yeah, I'm writing these down anyways to kind of look them up. <laughs> okay. All right, so I talked about this movie on my favorite fight scenes episode. This is a Quentin Tarantino movie, and you know he's known for having uh, a lot of, not necessarily like action spectacles, but you know some action and some serious gore in his movies. Uh, but this movie's pretty light on that up until the last 10 minutes. Um, and so the last 10 minutes is very entertaining, very strange, kind of disturbing, but also funny at the same time, which is a very strange mix of, uh, I guess, you know, tones. It, it, yeah, it's yeah. strange. It should clash, but it works so well in this movie. Um, and it's kind of because of the way Tarantino rewrites history. It's really cool how he does that because... If you if you know anything about this movie, you you probably know that it's about Sharon Tate and the Manson family and kind of that uh-huh. event that happened in history. So in real life, uh, the Manson family or th- three or four Manson family members killed Sharon Tate and the people that were in her house, and she was pregnant, like very pregnant at that point in time. Yeah. And and that's a, a very well known uh, event that's documented and. Um, Tarantino likes to take the liberty of rewriting history, so he has these fictional characters, uh, Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Leonardo DiCaprio plays Rick Dalton, and he is a actor in the movie. Cliff Booth is his stunt double, Brad Pitt. And so uh, Rick Dalton happens to live next door to Sharon Tate. So the night when the Manson family comes up to um, murder Sharon Tate and people in her house... Leonardo DiCaprio comes outside because he hears their car and gets mad and they decide we're going to go kill them instead. So uh, there's a lot that there's a lot that goes on that ties together so well. So I won't spoil all of that, but they go into the house and what they don't know is that Cliff Booth is uh, a stunt double so he can fight. And so they, you know, they enter the house and um, he also happens to be very high at the time because there's this big, you know, there's a big tie in with everything that's happening there. There's a, there's a reason. And he beats the crap out of them and he just murders them. It's insane. And so the Manson family was who actually gets killed in the movie. And so in the end, uh, you know, 
Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, they've killed all these people that have come into their house trying to kill them. And so at the end, it's Rick Dalton going to uh, up to the gate where, and he hasn't even met Sharon Tate. So he goes up to the gate and a guy from her house comes down they're talking. He's kind of reciting the events that just happened and mm-hmm. uh, Cliff Booth gets injured. So he goes off in the ambulance. And so he's sitting there talking to uh, the people at Sharon Tate's house and they invite him up you know, and, and they become friends. But at the same time, once the the movie ends, it pans away from this gate where they're standing talking and um, some really eerie music going on. I think it's just to kind of make you remember what actually happened. Um, but th- it's a great fight scene. It's a very entertaining ending. It, it you just There's a lot that happens that's shocking. And I just love how he rewrites history. But there's kind of that a lot you have to explain to know what goes on in this ending. No, you're but, right. You're, like, I feel like Tarantino does a great job. You're right. He's a he's a like history writer, but he almost does it in like a fictional way. Exactly. He adds different yeah. characters in there. I I just I almost kind of just started realizing that as I kind of start connecting. Yeah, he does that in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one too. You think that um, one? I think I was here. I heard somebody doing one of like Django Unchained, and I was like, what? Yeah. And like, yeah, he yeah, does, that one he, that was Tarantino as well. History. Yep, I remember that as, as well. So I was like, oh, that's super interesting how he just kind of continues to roll yeah. with that. That movie's kind of a uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's kind of a slow burn for a while, but then you get to the ending and it pays off so well. You're kind of like, you're like, this is disturbing, but I'm also laughing. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, you're like questioning your own morality. You're like, is this yeah. good? Should I? What in the world's going on here? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I'd recommend it though. But um, but yeah. So what's your number eight? So number eight, I haven't put one. This is one probably one of my favorite actors. But like, there hasn't been any movie that I've had to talk that I've like talked about on the podcast here um, about him for a while, and that was the Book of Eli. So my boy Denzel Washington, dude, probably one of my favorite actors, just because I watch anything that he does, and I love like most of his movies. Yeah. Um, this one was the one that I did not. Have you seen Book of Eli? No. Okay. All right. I'm not gonna spoil it for you. Okay. However, dude, it's a super. It is kind of like a fantasy type thing. Um, there's some unnatural characters, some weird things, but he, I forget, like he is on this journey to deliver. I think this book. Um, to this place and like there's all kinds of people that want to take it from him mm-hmm. um, and all kinds of stuff and there's a huge twist at the end um, that once you see it you're like oh shoot I didn't even think about that but you probably want to go back and re like you almost like want to rewatch the movie you might pick up on some of the stuff McNeil like you might actually realize what's happening okay. um, before you see the ending but like it's a pretty neat movie. There's some sweet action sequences just because you know it's Denzel Washington he's just a great actor in general Yeah. Um, but there's a great part this is a great spoiler at the end um that when you realize you're like oh dang and they don't have to say anything you just see it happen and see it unfold Mm -hmm. you're like oh that was it the whole time that's actually pretty dope that you actually put that in there um and i think just coupled with denzel doing an action movie is always really great too because yeah denzel dope dude he's just i need to check it out i need to see some more denzel washington movies i haven't seen a ton i honestly i don't even know if i've seen any of them but you, I'd recommend that one, and I'd recommend right after that one, Man on Fire. That, okay. Those two, rec- yeah, all amazing, amazing cool. movies. Cool. All right, so what's your number eight? Uh, so number eight, I'm not sure if you've seen this one either, but Captain Phillips. Have you seen it? I have seen Captain Phillips. Okay, yeah. great. So uh, Good another too. Tom Good Hanks movie. Um, but uh, so this is a movie based on true story about Captain Richard Phillips, who was the captain of the cargo ship uh, during the events of an actual story that took place um, around, you know, around the ship, it was around somewhere in the coast of Africa. I can't exactly remember which area If it was like 
Indian Ocean or if it was Atlantic Ocean. I'm not sure. Or if it was yeah, around the, the southern tip of it. I can't exactly remember. But, you know, the cargo ship is hijacked by Somali pirates. And, you know, for people listening, I'm saying pirates, not like pirates out of the Pirates of the Caribbean, like real-life pirates. <laughs> and um, Actual actual pirates. That actual pirates. pirates, yeah. Not Jack Sparrow. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, basically, a lot of things go down in this movie, but in the end, they they take Captain Phillips hostage in a lifeboat, and Captain Phillips is in the end rescued by the Navy SEALs, who have taken out three out of four of the pirates, and then the one that's still living is the leader, and the, you know they arrest him. But what I love about this ending is that when Captain Phillips is rescued, and they take him to get like medical treatment to make sure he's okay, um, he's in shock and he's very emotional because he didn't think he really didn't think he was going to make it out alive. And the way Tom Hanks manages to convincingly portray somebody in shock was just amazing to me. And I don't cry in movies at all. And I said plenty of times in here before, only Endgame and Marley and Me. That's it. Only two times I've cried in movies. (laughs) This is a a close third. I didn't quite get there, but I was pretty close. This movie got me pretty close to crying. (laughs) But um, it was just because of that, the way Tom Hanks portrayed somebody in shock and he was just very thankful to be alive. He's thanking people for, you know, saving his life. Uh, you know, he was glad to be able to go see his family again. Um, I mean, it's just a, it's a really, it's a really moving ending for sure. And, and, and also what heightens that ending is that it was based on a true story, you know? Yes. And so exactly. That's a, that's a great one. Um, dude, I find that, I find that awesome too. Cause usually when they do it based on a true story, they bring in those people, that have actually lived it and like mm-hmm. as they show them their movie portrayal they're like is this kind of how it happened and like they're able to give some input there so it kind of gives them um a little bit of some like producing right that kind of stuff um and then you have a great actor like tom hanks who's able to play that yeah. kind of stuff and like you said do exactly what he needed to do and then it find to find out that it's based on a true story you're like holy cow and then you immediately start looking it up so it kind of continues the the story for you and you have to look up details and facts and find out what the person's doing now and um all that kinds of stuff which is also incredible i think that's just a good to kind of have like a modern day hero or somebody that's been put in a huge predicament that you can totally just be like dude you 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 did the right thing although it's been outlandishly freaky you you know you know got through it so i thought that was that's awesome i think that's yeah yeah that is a great one uh so what's your what's your number seven all right, number seven. I'm going back in time a little bit. So okay. from um, 1996, Primal Fear. Okay. Um, this stars Richard Gere, Laura Linney, Edward Norton. I haven't seen um, that this one either. Is, dude, this is a good one, and you'll like it because there's a little psychological thriller. It's a psychological kind of thing. Um, Sounds like it's so got a good main, cast. Oh, dude. It Okay, and I think Norton is young. So Yeah, yeah, he would have been. Yeah. The premise of the movie is Norton, I think, is like a choir boy. Okay. And one of the guys, one of the like clergymen or something like that, is accused of like sexual assault, really. And Richard Gere, I think, is a lawyer on the case or a detective on the case to try to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, and as he does the questioning and stuff like that, um, he starts realizing that like there are some deep stuff going on. Um not within this like organization, this religious organization um, mm-hmm. that they have figured out how to expose. And like, they find a bunch of tapes and stuff like that. Um, but Edward Norton's character ends up killing this guy. And that's why he's 
he's in being investigating him. He's like, why did you do it? And, you know, he's just like a choir boy. And he, you know, kind of tells him, uh, the story behind it and like the molestation, things like that. Um, and then you find out like at the end, true motives behind everybody. And mm-hmm. you're just like, whoa, whoa, like totally didn't even plot uh, twist. Ama- yes. Amazing, amazing acting. Um, that does that does it in because I mean you can have anybody I think Edward Norton does a great great job of it too but amazing acting that totally sinks you into that one and as an older film um, I remember my brother telling me dude you need to watch this movie I was like dude it's from 96 bro I don't want to see a 96 and I remember watching the it, so 90s are, have some of the best movies that's like one of the best yeah, movie decades I know but it's like it's like some of those get lost in like the shuffle of stuff and I don't know how yeah. they get lost but like dude this one is incredible so you need to watch that to my watch list right now primal fear is good because you will it it is it is a when you watch you're like no way like at the end you're like this is awesome that's so cool i just added my watch list i'm I'm looking forward to it that looks interesting yeah it is it's got some decent reviews on imbd so yeah it looks like it looks like it was generally well received so yeah that's interesting yeah so what's your seven uh, number seven. I'm I'm pretty sure you've seen this. There, I'd be very surprised if you haven't. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> yes. And b- being completely honest, I'm not a huge fan of this movie. There's a lot of people that really love it and say it's one of their favorite Star Wars movies. I'm not quite there. I like it. I, I think it's good for what it is. I don't think it's amazing just because you know characters they all die at the end and this is the only movie they're in. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> but however the ending is awesome because of how it connects the events of this movie to the beginning events of the very first Star Wars movie, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, and um, and it kind of gives more context to the events going on right before Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, and you know it shows where Darth Vader had just come from. That Darth Vader scene, you know, where he's you know. Uh, fighting the rebels uh, just seconds before the opening of a new hope and just seeing how that all connects. Super awesome. That was one of the fights that I put very high on the list for my you know favorite fight scenes. Uh, and then it also shows princess Leia at the end, receiving the transmission that she gives to R2D2 in the beginning of a new mm-hmm. hope, referring to it as hope. Um, and I was honestly seeing this movie. I think I was probably 16 when it came out in theaters. I was kind of disappointed by it because I didn't really know what to expect, and I was just like, I didn't really care for any of the characters. And so I was pretty disappointed throughout the movie, but then that like last five minutes or so, I was the adrenaline rush of you know just that you get in the theater and everybody experiencing the same thing yeah. and you know clapping and all this type of stuff. It was just incredible, you know. Everybody's clapping for Darth Vader slaughtering the rebels <laughs> for whatever reason, but You're like, well, wait, that's what? the planet we live on. <laughs> Dude, I didn't even think I about do. that. Like, that's actually a good thought. Like, a connector movie filling in the dots for you. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm gonna have to, go, I'm gonna have to watch that again because it's been. I think I've only seen it like twice, but I, it, I think it was like when it first was out. So I want to, okay. I want to go back and check that. Yeah, out. Yeah, I saw it in the theaters. Cause... I've seen it a few times since. Uh, I watched it. You know, I watched all the Star Wars movies leading up to the Rise of Skywalker, and that ending is always super exciting to watch. It's a great one. Yeah. So, watch yeah. number six. All right, so number six, um, The Prestige. Dude, yes. I think I told you before, I got this one on film. My wife loves it, so it's like a family favorite. Um, My parents uh, stars, hate that movie. What? But, dude, it's so good. So, so <laughs> uh, Christian Bale, um, Hugh Jackman, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, like... And Scarlett the, Johansson. The both, yeah, Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yeah, totally forgot about that, too. Uh, I just remember the two of them, because like they're both yeah. trying to, like... 
out magician each other. So they're both magicians. Right. Um, they both have want to have a great act. Um, and Hugh Jackman gets a hold of, was it Tesla is the company that he is yeah. working with or something like that? Yeah. He gets with Tesla and finds and gets a way to do this amazing trick that looks incredible. Um, how he's able to like disappear from the stage and end up like totally in the audience, like absolutely in other plays, um, which is incredible. And so um, he he's been doing this for a while, um, and 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 then you find out later on about how he does it at the very very end. But Christian Bale's character um, was really cool as well because of the fact yeah. that as after you find out at the end, once again, spoiler, you find out at the end he and his twin brother have been working this scheme for a long time, mm-hmm. doing what they need to do. Um, and just kind of playing two different roles back and forth, which is odd because it messes like with his family life yeah, um, yeah. and stuff like that too. But then at the end, when you find out that for the entire time, Hugh Jackman has found like a cloning machine and he's been killing himself off every show. And I was yeah. like, Holy cow! It's like, and you crazy. don't see that till the vi- like literally seconds before the credits start rolling, right? Like it's yeah. scro- it's scrolling over, and you see you these see tanks, and then you all see all of them. Yeah, yep. And you see him, and I was like, oh shoot! Yeah. So that I mean, the the twist with uh, uh, Christian Bale's character comes in up at a part, you know, and then um, Hugh Jackman's at the very end, dude, double doing it, like amazing, amazing. And the movie title is a really it's, it's super sequential. Like whoever yeah. thought of the title did a very good job of bringing it. In. And then like how they do the whole like narration of like how the magic trick works and how the prestige is and all that kind of stuff. I think that's an incredible use of, of movie. And I don't even think, I, I feel like you might, might know more about this, but I feel like it didn't get good reviews in Hollywood as far as, or like critics and stuff like that. But like a um, lot of people were very liked it a lot. Like I, I feel like a lot of people liked it, but it's it kind of become that a big hype. Yeah, it's kind of become a cult classic in a way. It's okay. one of the, you know, obviously it's a Christopher Nolan movie, and he has movies that are uh, more well-received amongst critics. Uh, it says here in Rotten Tomatoes that The Prestige has 76% from critics and 92% from the audience. So, yeah, that, exactly. That's yeah. so weird. Like, So the audience people definitely it. liked it more. Yeah, people seem to like it other than my parents. <laughs> they thought it was stupid. <laughs> What like what? So what? What brought them to, to think that they what they hated they didn't that, like about it? They hated the science fiction element of it because they thought it was <laughs> you know going to be like this period piece thriller in a way, and then that there is the science fiction cloning thing. And they're like, there's just poor writing, and like you can't say that about Christopher Nolan, parents. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great, dude. I love it. Oh yeah, man. I've we've debated about that ending quite a lot and why it's good versus why it's not, but. It's an argument. I guess I will never win. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's a, I mean, I love it. I love it, though. I, I need to watch that one again, too. I need to plug that in. Yeah, I need so. to. It's been a while since I've seen it. I think I've seen it like twice, but, but that's that's a, that's a good choice. I thought about putting it in there for honorable mentions, but there's just so many great endings. You dude, know? there's a ton of them, dude. There's yeah. a ton. Yeah. So, All right. What's your number six? So my number six might be a little surprising as to how low this specific movie is on in my top ten list, um, but Avengers Endgame. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the ending of this movie is just honestly amazing, and it's crazy that, you know, an ending like this actually exists because so many things happen. You know, it's just fan service the movie, you know? Um, yes, yes. And so, yep. I mean, you kind of start the ending off. Iron Man snaps his fingers, makes the ultimate sacrifice, and then you go to the funeral scene for Tony Stark, 
and the entire MCU is there, and they were all there in real life. I mean, just everybody from the entire universe. Uh, and then, you yep. know, then you kind of go to Tony Stark's pre-recorded speech, which was uh, really, really good. Uh, and then Thor, you know, he declares Valkyrie the new ruler of Asgard. Then he goes off with the Asgardians of the galaxy. Um, yep. And then Captain America goes back in time to return the stones, but then doesn't come back, and instead he lives his life out. Uh, with Peggy, and we see him as an old man, and he passes the shield to to uh, Falcon, Sam Wilson. And then at the very end, you see Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter back in the 1940s dancing together. Everything that happened was just, like, incredible. Like, I watching this movie, I was like, I cannot believe they pulled all of this off. Having this huge of an ending, and the movie being so large in scale, you know, and then having such a satisfying ending for 22 movies or whatever, you know, super, super Bro, great. I, ending. Not gonna lie. I'm ashamed to admit it is not on my list huh, only because the, these the rest of these ones here are like twists and we'll get to them. But like, okay, that one was going to be one of my honorable mentions too. Cause I was like, that one's just, dude, you can't, you can't not mention that Marvel movie as the end of like a 10 year, yeah. um, you know, this thing to just, just that that is that was iconic. They they put an end to each of these kind of characters' um, lives or not lives, but like sagas. How it just climaxed that way. But I did want to mention that one in there, and that is definitely going to have. I mean, you know, Iron Man yeah. is dope, and Captain America, and how they did them some it's good incredible. there, and how Thor is able to go off to like they did some good stuff with the originals, and I think they did that. That was an awesome job. That was a great job with them. Yeah, for sure. Before we move on to our top five favorite movie endings, be sure to follow the McNeil and Friends podcast on Instagram at mcneil.and.friends.podcast. Message me through Instagram to let me know what your favorite movie endings are or if you have any ideas you'd like me to talk about for the Movie Screen Quarantine series. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at McNeil Mulliken. Letterboxd is where I post the movies I watch and write reviews. Also, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Twitter. And lastly, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Patreon and support this podcast by becoming a patron if you so desire. You can find a link that will take you to all these locations in the description of this episode. So, Tim, what's your number five? All right, number five. I think you haven't seen this one. Last I checked, you hadn't seen it. Okay. But Saw. Yeah, I still um, haven't seen this Saw. This is the first. It is the original one, the first one from 2004, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, dude, the cast of characters is like nobody except for, I think, Danny Glover. These other okay. characters, I don't, I don't recognize by name. And it's not even a long film. It's fairly short. It's like an hour and a half, maybe maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, okay. But the premise is they wake, these two people wake up in this room um, and they are pawns in the game of this serial killer who's known, his name is Jigsaw and they have to do these things to try to escape. And they're usually like outrageous things that push your um, human limits, so to speak, or make you give up something like, I don't even remember some of the stuff that like one dude end up having to saw off his leg or something crazy like that. Um, but massive twist at the end um, that is amazing. I think, I think if you watch close enough, McNeil, I think you'll be able to predict what the ending is going to be. Okay. But I didn't catch it. I did not catch it at first. And, I, and, I, and then when I saw it, I was like, oh, dang it. I shouldn't even, I didn't even think. Cause like they do the, they do that whole like bait and switch where they put you into this great story. And you forget about this entire character, or you forget about oh, what's okay. going on over here. And then all of a sudden at the end, they're like, oh, remember this guy? Yeah. And then you're just like, holy cow. 
totally forgot about that, and it hmm. totally throws everything off, um, and it makes for an incredible story. Now, I honestly haven't seen any Saw after that because I heard that okay. all and there's a bunch of those horrible. movies, dude. I want to say there's like eight or nine, something um, crazy like that. It's up there, you know, that they got like a ton of like Jason movies or whatever, and the, the Halloween yeah. movies. That yeah. is, from what I understand, I feel like the Saw movies are somewhat in the same type of genre. They're just like slasher horror. Yeah, that's just yeah, like they get like yeah, they're slasher horror. They're like prisoners, and they they've been kidnapped, and he wants. I don't, it, I don't know if it's he wants to get back at them, but he heard that they either lived an extravagant life or whatever okay. or something, and he just wants to um, see them suffer, but at the same time play a little game with them. It's kind of sick and, twi- and, and twisted, yeah. but. Um, that first one, I remember, and it took a while for me to watch that first one. I want to say I watched it maybe in like 2007, 2008. So it was a couple of years after it was already released. And then when I finally watched it, it was like Saw 4 was coming out. And I was like, oh, that was good. And I remember asking my buddy, dude, should I watch the rest? And he's like, no, don't watch the <laughs> other ones. Just James Wan one. was a director, I think, of the first Saw. So I don't know about the others. But James, yeah, James Wan's James a good was director. So he did yeah. The Conjuring. He did Insidious. He also did Furious 7 and Aquaman. He's a really good yes. director. And you would right. like, and you like the you like the Conjuring, so I think you would yeah. like this first Saw movie. I think you really okay. like it. I'll give the first one a shot. I just knew that they were like slasher horror, and I generally don't care for that no, genre as stupid. much because uh, this like one really... they, this one they do a little bit more with it, which is nice. Like the okay. other ones, it's like there's twelve people, and then like they die all these crazy ways, and you're like, why do I? Why am I watching? This? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give the first one a shot. Do it. Uh, so my number five is Interstellar. I know you've seen. Yeah, Interstellar, there we go. So, yeah, I've seen Interstellar. Yeah. Uh, the ending of this movie kind of start. It's kind of another one of those really long endings where a lot of things happen, and it really starts, in my opinion, when uh, Matthew McConaughey goes into that black hole, you know. And so his mm-hmm. he he ejects himself into this black hole to save Anne Hathaway's character, so that way she has enough, you know, weight to get to um, the uh, Edmonds planet or whatever. Um, yeah. And so inside this black hole, he enters this dimension where he can access all points of time from behind the walls of a specific room in his house, which is, and this dimension is supposedly constructed by future humans. But I think that's kind of up for interpretation. I've heard multiple debates and they're, they're all kind of interesting, but you know, he sends a message back to his daughter in Morse code, which enables his daughter to use uh, the quantum data that he's giving her through Morse code to ultimately mm-hmm. enable uh, the survival of humans which is really cool. And then he, he spit out of the black hole and then you realize lots of time has passed and he's in, he's in this space habitat that's orbiting Saturn and he gets to see his daughter who at this point now is very old and is presumably dying and it's very strange, but I'm also really glad it happened. Cause I remember seeing it in the theaters when I was like 14, I was like, I really hope, I really hope he reunites with his daughter. And then once you see how much time has passed, like, okay, this is going to be very strange, very <laughs> weird dynamic going on. But it was, it was really satisfying though. But then, uh, and, the, and then Matthew McConaughey goes to reunite with Amelia, which was, uh, and Hathaway's character on Edmund's planet, which is where, you know, she set up that habitat. And yeah. I just really love the, the depth that this ending has is really thought provoking. And, um, I really like the, the ideas it explores and kind of the, the mix of logic and emotion and how it combines it. And it, it, I think it just works really well. I just, I really love this ending. I've, I've always blown away by it from the first time I've seen it. Yeah. But Interstellar is a great movie. Yeah. No, solid, solid film. I like that one. That's a really good one as well. I yeah. Definitely. So with number four. I... All right. So number four, you've seen this one for sure. Inception. 
Yeah, um, I've definitely seen Inception. <laughs> bro, I think it 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 made me think about the conception of ideas and yeah. how they become what they are. And then it made me think about how your dreams work and if they how close they feel to reality. And yeah. so sometimes after watching that movie, I've started to think, okay, this idea that I got, did I get it from a dream that I had that made me think about this idea and now it's stuck in my mind and I'm I'm going to kind of go through with it? Or was this just an idea that I just happened to come up with? Because you know sometimes like you wake up in the middle of the night you're like, oh, dude, this is an awesome idea. I got to run with yeah. this. And it's not even like a, not even like a, you're awake and you're thinking about something and it comes. It's like you wake up and you've already had that idea already in your mind. So that concept and then the fact that you're having a dream within a dream is actually pretty amazing um, because we've all had those dreams where it's like I woke up, I got dressed and I got ready and I was ready to go to work or whatever, just like it would be yeah. normal. And then all of a sudden I actually wake up and I was like, yeah. dang it, oh, I got to do this whole process again. I totally felt like I just did it. Yeah. Um, so it's that stuff. And then once again, at the end of the movie, they leave it up for interpretation. Did the did the top fall down or did it keep spinning? Yeah. Was it real or was it not real? Because that totally changes everything. Like everything that went on in that scene, you're just like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a second. Like, I'm not sure. So that makes it just another another thought for provoking uh, type movie where you're you can debate with your buddies dude no no no, man it yeah. was wobbling dude i saw it wobbling it was about to fall it was like dude you didn't see it fall it was about to right. fall so it was still going so you don't know it was still spinning like there's like you know totally yeah. different ideas. so I think, what, what, I think what do you great. think do you think I, that he, do you think he's in a dream or do you think he's in reality gosh, man i thought that uh, personally i think he's in a dream so okay at first i will say it changed because like at the beginning, I was like, "Oh, I fell down," and that's what I wanted it to. I wanted it to be because, like, I wanted the the nice ending. I wanted it to be tied up in a bow, and I just wanted it to be good and be like, "Okay, he's living a good life now. He's all out of that dream stuff." Nobody, yeah. Did. But like, dude, old habits die hard. So, like, if this dude experienced all this stuff in a dream before, what's to prevent him from trying to go back to that again? Right. Yeah. So it's like he might have tricked himself into going back into that dream, and he feels completely fine with it, and he's totally okay with it. So yeah. that's brought me back to like, nope, I think he's still in the dream. That thing's still spinning as far as I know. Like never yeah. heard no sound effects of it toppling over. It's still going. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I mean, that's a fair point. Um, I will, I'll tell you later what I, what I think of uh, that ending. <laughs> uh, but awesome. before I do that, my number four is Arrival. Have you seen Arrival? No, I haven't seen Arrival. Okay, then I, w- I won't spoil this for you because... Um, okay, even if you wanted me to, I'm not going to spoil it <laughs> because the way this movie unfolds is really incredible. Um, okay. This is an alien movie. It's a sci-fi movie, but it's not like the typical, you know, alien invasion movie because it is an alien invasion movie, but it's not like Independence Day where they're showing up and, you know, they're blowing everything up. This yeah. is just about how humans can learn to understand this particular language of this specific race of aliens in this movie. Okay, and it's about the whole movie is about learning this new language, and it's a, it's a form of nonlinear language, and it's similar to Interstellar in ways because they both deal with nonlinear time, and okay. uh, the most, the thing that's really incredible to me about this movie is, uh, 
that Amy Adams' character is a linguist, and she learns how to use this language, um, and the choice that she makes, knowing how this language enables her to understand her life in a different perspective, it's it's a very meaningful ending, and yeah. that's all, I think that's all I'm going to say about it because it's it's really interesting to just go watch and see how this movie unfolds. But what I will say, this has nothing to do with the plot or anything. Is that, and I think you'll really like this, is that the song playing in the background really heightens the emotion of the ending of this movie. It's called On the Nature of Daylight. It's okay. a, I think it's a classical, it's classical music for sure, but I think it's a quintet, I think. All right. And the song is really beautiful. I almost thought, because you know, you and I did the film score episode recently, yeah. I almost included this movie, then I realized that was, that song pre, it was pre-existing before the movie was even you know, adapted. Oh, okay. okay. And um, it was a song they inserted directly into the movie. Um, but the rest of the music, there was composed music for the movie, but it wasn't anything nearly as impressive as the song and how this song, uh, just, it can even, it can make that ending impact you even more. Um, but it's a, I mean, overall, like I, the music, the ending, everything about this movie, just the way it all unfolds is just really beautiful. And I see, uh, that. I see, I interesting. see it on Amazon Prime. I'm going to be writing that tonight. <laughs> yeah. Watch watch that movie. Let me know what you think because it's, it's incredible. It's a really okay. great movie. Dude, good one. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. So what's your number three? All right, number three. These last three, I think at least you see for sure. I know you've seen at least two of them. So number three, I think I know what one of them is going to be. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it is probably it right here. Infinity okay. War. It's got to be number three. Awesome, because that's, that's my number three. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> we'll just go ahead at the same time then, bro. I've said it before, dude. I, even when we talked about like best Marvel movies in general, dude. Yeah. Infinity War. That is a mind. But once again, dude, Thanos wins. wins. Wins, no, man, no, man <laughs> wins, dude. Who who makes the bad guy like who makes the bad guy win? Okay, so like this dude wins, like he gets all the stones. I'm telling you, I thought he was just gonna get half of them. Or yeah, like, I remember you telling me about that. Oh no, he got all of them, and he snapped his fingers, took out half of the universe. Yeah, and then he was chilling afterwards, like it was just this is cool, man. Sipping yeah. pina colada or just chilling in his little farm there, hanging out. Yeah, yo. I mean, who, and dude, who, the like, music, the music in that particular oh, scene is incredible. Alan Silvestri bro. is a beast, dude. Um, unbelievable. You know like, what's interesting, just, though, uh, about so, you know, you're talking about Thanos. You know, he he wiped out half the population. I heard this perspective once. I didn't even think of because and the interesting thing about Infinity War is that you can kind of follow Thanos's mindset. But you're like, but that's also kind of messed up. Somebody <laughs> yeah. said he has he has the gauntlet. He can do anything. And if his problem is that the population of the universe has gotten too big where it's taking up all the resources, why don't you just double the resources? Dude, yeah. And I was like, that's interesting. Oh, that, but maybe Thanos you, is just a major introvert. and <laughs> He just wants to <laughs> and just doesn't like own. people. <laughs> he, he wants some space. So he's going to create space for everybody. Dude, that's actually a good... I didn't even think about that. But they're techni- I guess like, they're, even, they're technically not even dead, I don't think. No, yeah, they're just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I feel like his intention isn't necessarily to kill you unless you get in his way for his agenda of like trying to help yeah. what he sees as quote unquote helping other people. Um and so when he finally does that, he's like, dude, mission accomplished. I don't need to deal with anybody anymore. I'm not gonna cause any mayhem or time. I'm just gonna live and chill. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. dang, bro. 
and then it ended. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the thing that impacted me the most about this ending is that so many characters that we know and love died. Lots of characters (laughs) that we didn't expect to die. You know, I went into that movie thinking it was going to be, you know, the core Avengers were going to die, and that it was going to be the new Avengers and Avengers 4 going back and saving them. And, you know, you see Black Panther die, and it's like, what? He just had a movie come out. He just had his movie. Spider-Man died. It's like, what? All of these people are dying, and you're just so confused. Um, you know they're coming back, though. Like, I I was sitting there thinking, while all my friends and everybody in theater was crying, you know, I was, like, sitting there smiling. And I was like, <laughs> they, they, they had some real stakes. They went for it. They had the cliffhanger ending, and it left you wondering, how are the Avengers going to fix this? What are they going to do to undo it, you know? And... Really, really yeah. great ending. Oh, dude. And I, I, just, I was I, so I impressed love, by it. Yeah, I love the fact that they continually said, and then even in Endgame, that they lost. They lost. Yes. Like, yeah, they it was not a lost. win. They yeah. lost. Like, absolutely and utterly lost. The man beat them. And yeah. I think for a superhero movie, that was unprecedented. You don't yeah, have most your superheroes definitely. lose and like lose that way and then like end your movie. Even if you know it's supposed to be a part one, part two, like yeah. you would you would usually curb it off like some good way, like, hey, there's a little bit of hope. And like they did that at the like end scene where there was like the Captain Marvel thing with Samuel L. But like still But that dude. was a post credit scene, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. that's post credit. Yeah, yeah. But dude, they lost. There was no that, hope. Like, final. No, no, nothing. Like no and, hope and part, at all. And they dude, it, there was part of me that like when I knew they were supposed to come back and like as a as a as a you know Marvel geek dude, I, I was like they gotta come back somehow. But like, yeah. when trailers and stuff were coming out for not even yeah trailers and stuff were coming out for Endgame, they just didn't hint at all like they no. were gonna be back. And I was like, yeah, dude, are you the really trailers gonna keep these characters gave away nothing, which I loved, and Infinity War gave away a lot. And yes. Endgame told you absolutely nothing about that three hour movie. And I mean, I had no predictions at all. And then you go into Endgame and they decapitate Thanos. In the very beginning, beginning. and I was like, yeah, like within the first 10 minutes, and I was like, I have no idea where they're going from here. And then it says five years later, and I'm like, I'm just, I'm I'm not even going to try to predict. I'm not even going to try. And then everybody comes back in the portal scene. That portal scene is incredible in Endgame. It's even even nuts because like, and like the whole, the whole sequence of when they actually have to go back and you're like, okay, you're going to go back in time. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you're going to, you know, like. There was a potential that they were going to screw up. And yeah. like when Cap and Iron Man and Ant-Man were together, they screwed up and they couldn't get it. They couldn't get yeah. I think they were supposed to get the Tesseract and they couldn't get it. And it was like, crap. And then they were like, dude, we got, you know, one vial to go and one vial to get home. So we got to make sure we make it. And he's like, well, I know we can get more vials. I was like, dude, you guys better not screw this up a second time. And like, that, yeah. dude, I told you before, like, yeah. this is one of the ones where like when the portal scene came in and he says Avengers Assemble, I was like, Yo, yo, I cried. Screw this up, man. I was like, that's what I'm talking go. about when I cried in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> dude, it's so crazy, man. Oh, yeah, dude, I, that, dude, that play with my. That's emotions, a really impressive dude. ending. Really oh, impressive ending for so Infinity good. War. So that was um, a good three. That's a good three for sure. Yeah, yeah. And we both had it was both our number three. So that there was, we that's, go. It's interesting how it turned out that way. Um, and I I feel like I know which one which uh, that there's gonna be a certain movie in your top two, and I'm hoping it's your number two because then it'll be my number two, and we can do it again at the same time. All right, so number two is seven. Yes, my number two as well. Let's go. Nice <laughs> people. If you haven't seen this movie, you need to see it, and there are many reasons why. Like because of the fact that they lay out if, if the they can handle movie it at the beginning. Yeah, if you can handle it. Yeah, I'm sorry. If you can handle this <laughs> movie, 
watch it from beginning to end. Like you got to watch it just because it, they lay it out at the beginning. Okay, seven deadly sins, um, and this guy, uh, uh, like totally. I, and I'm trying to figure out the word to use, but like he he kills the people based on one of those seven deadly sins, or allows yes. them to be killed that way, or something like that. Um, yeah. and so you know. By just the beginning, because my boy Morgan Freeman lays it out and says, these are the ones that are there. Um, and mm-hmm. then as they go through, he kind of like lists. We already had this one, this one, this one, this one. We have these two left, you know. And so you're seeing the entire movie the whole way. Okay. And so as you can kind of gauge as you get towards the end of the movie, you know which sins are left. So you yeah. know which ones are coming up and which one the big one's going to be. And the last and when, two were envy holy, and wrath. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. The crazy oh, thing, man. you know, so it's a serial killer, John Doe played by Kevin Spacey. And, you know, like he said, he's killing people based off of seven deadly sins or sets up the murder. Um, and so he shows up, you know, he's like with, he shows up in the, in the office with, you know, with blood on his body all over. And he's like, uh, he, he says he'll take, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, the two detectives, to the final two victims. Yeah, I'm thinking there's going to be two victims there, you know? Dude. And so they arrive to a deserted location, and a van arrives and drops off a box. And it isn't shown what's in the box, but you know what's in the box because um, Doe, John Doe tells Brad Pitt's character that... or Brad Pitt's character's name is Mills. So John Doe tells Mills that... Or what does he tell him? Or he opens Mills opens the box and you know that it's his wife's head, you know, and and she was pregnant, which makes things even worse. Worse. Oh. And um, I mean, it's they never show it. I'm glad they don't show what's in the box, but you know for sure based off Brad Pitt's emotions in, in the in the in the in the story. And so uh, John Doe tells Mills, Brad Pitt's character, that he was envious of the of the relationship that um, Mills has with his with his wife Dude. and um he he just envied that you know that relationship and so that the the murder of Gwyneth Paltrow's character Brad Pitt's wife uh, in the movie that that represented envy and then Brad Pitt's character Mills shoots John Doe <laughs> representing wrath completing John Doe's plan very intricate plot with an extremely unconventional and shocking ending for unbelievable, sure unbelievable bro unbelievable I was watching yeah. that with a friend for the first time whenever I saw it a few years back and we saw the box and we were both like, dude, what's in, what's in the box? And then Brad Pitt starts going, he's like, Brad Pitt's like, what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> dude, never forget that, man. What? Like, and then there's like, it's a handful. Everybody quotes that. What's in the box? Exactly. Right. But like a handful of people don't really know what that's wrong, but like a handful of people exactly, do know. Yeah. Oh man, dude. I remember it's funny. Cause like when I was trying to get inspiration, like of what movies I've seen for, good endings dude this one was yeah. in every single list i think i want to say oh, at really? least in like top 10 yeah every single list like, they had like 20 24 you know top 10 movie endings you know great movie endings sad movie endings like as far as movie cool. endings go like i think this one was in a ton of different lists and yeah. i was like oh, i remember seeing no that, that, one. that box being delivered by the van in the movie when i first saw the movie and my friend and i look at each other and we were like dude that is a head shaped box or a head sized oh, box. We were like, we were man. like, we were like, dude, that is a head sized box. <laughs> is that so a head incredible. in the box? Dude, because like, well, the thing is, then you think, okay, people are going to think we're really shaped- messed up. Yeah, 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 no, for real. Is <laughs> <laughs> a head shaped box. And then you're like, whose head? And then like immediately it just clicks. 
Oh, no freaking yeah. way. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's so n- not a traditional ending at all. It catches you off guard, but then you're like, man, I should have seen that coming. But really so, should have seen yeah, that coming. Right, right. But so good because you're trying to feel like there's a weird, there's a, once again, this is a weird way. Like, you're right. Everybody's going to think we're weird about this, but there's a weird <laughs> way that you're like, I wonder how he's going to kill them using this seven deadly sin. Like, dude, you have two left. How do you do two in one shot? This is going to be interesting. Yeah. Totally amazing. I didn't amazing. even think it was going to be any of any of them. I didn't think it was going to be John Doe or, you know, mm-hmm. anything like that. Nope. One of the best villains ever. You know, you and I talked about that in the villains episode we did a while back too. Yeah. Um, definitely one of the not a great, not a, not a good guy at all. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but as a villain for a movie, fantastic villain, incredible, incredible. Yeah, you you yeah. you genuinely hate him. You hate the guy. Yes, yes. But he's because he's incredibly smart and he totally played you. He's an he's an insane. He he's just a total psychopath. What a what a nut, dude! That's insane. Yeah, dude, great movie. I might watch that soon. It's been a it's been a couple of years since I've seen yes, it. Yes, dude. Yes, I think I'm gonna check yeah. that out too. I might be I might be binging some movies tonight. This is gonna be good. Yeah, you gotta watch Arrival though. Gotta watch Arrival. I do. Yes, I do have to watch one. I'm gonna check that one out. And you and you still need to watch Us. You still gotta watch Us. Yep, Us is on the list. I gotta watch. That, that was one almost too. an honorable mention for me. By the way, the ending of that movie almost okay. an honorable mention. Okay, um, I'm very close because like a lot of people have recommended it now, and I'm like, have you seen it? And they're like, yeah, you need to see it. And I was like, okay, I need to check it out then. Yeah. I really want to know what you think of the music of that movie, but, but anyway, so, uh, okay. I know your number one isn't my number one because you've already said it, but, uh, so what's your number one? Okay. Number one is mystic river. I have Um, not seen that dude. This one, uh, let me see here. I think I'm going to be pulled up here. Mystic river, mystic rivers from 2003. It's starring, uh, Sean Penn, Tim Robbins, Kevin Bacon are the main crew. Okay. Interesting. It's an interesting Um, cast directed by Clint Eastwood. Um, okay. There's a couple other I like people. There's a, yeah, there's a couple other people in it too. I don't, I don't really know their names, but I can see their faces in there. Um, so the premise is, they're these guys. I think are brothers, um, and they're growing up. And there's a little like concrete concrete slab that was just porn poured, and like they want to write their name in this concrete slab to kind of immortalize themselves. So one brother writes it in, another brother writes them in. You know, just kind of like you know messing around, just being kind of like a Huck Finn Tom kind of thing and uh yeah. around the third brother's writing his in when uh, a car comes up and i th- i don't think it's a police car but a guy comes out acting like a policeman and say hey what are you guys doing they kind of cower in fear um and he he takes the last boy with him um and says you're gonna pay for this what you don't know what happens is over the next few days it's like this guy kidnapped this boy they're looking for him there was no police anything about it no report done about it and they're searching for this kid um he was you know completely traumatized and stuff he escapes from that guy um and ends up coming back to the family fast forward a ton of years later and um they're all doing their own things one of the guys went to jail for some stuff that he did um another guy's his marriage is falling apart he's not sure what's going on and then there's this guy that you know was kidnapped and traumatized and stuff like that so he's still going through that like pain and working through that kind of thing too um so in the the when it picks up is when um Sean Penn's character he has a couple daughters and one of his daughters that he's really fond of um goes out for a party i forget or something like that and then she goes missing and they find her vehicle um, open, just kind of like with, there's some blood on there, um, in this yeah. area. 
and they go a little bit further and they find her half buried and she's dead. And like, dude, super real, raw emotion of a parent um, grieving for their child. And Sean Ben does an amazing job. Um, absolutely love it. This is one of my one of those ones my brother my brother recommended this one too. I think he was on a movie binge at one point and just like recommended great movies <laughs> to me. Um, but he does that. And then so the rest of the movie is who did it? Um, trying to figure out how to do it. And so they pulled together suspects. I know without trying to spoil it, because like you'd really need to see it, but like yeah. they pulled together different suspects to try to figure out who it is. And Sean Penn's character, since he's been in jail, he has like a little thug crew that goes around and does dirty work for him. Um, okay. And, and um, suffice to say, like the ending is unbelievable as to how they figure out um, how things went on. And you're just, yeah. it's, it's honestly depressing, but it's so, it's so incredible to, to, to kind of follow the lives of these brothers and how each of them have figured things out um, yeah. in the end. And like, so you see the resolution of all three of them at some point and they may be good and they may be bad. And it's just there. That's it's real. It's very real. Yeah. So like you, you need to check that one out. I think yeah. you would like it because it once again it has to do with that psychological kind of feel, okay. especially with the boy that was taken at the beginning, um, and how he acts because of what had happened, and as a result, like gets into different pr- predicaments and stuff too. So it's really good, really, really good. Yeah, it, I I think I actually so I just looked it up while you're while you're talking. It's a uh, Mystic Mystic River. That's a you said it was Clint Eastwood directed it, which I looked and yes, that that also piques my interest because you said it's kind of a psychological thriller but Clint I don't I think that might be like the only movie Clint Eastwood has directed that's that way because he's done two movies that I really like American Sniper and uh-huh. Sully those are both really great movies and oh, those are based on true stories though like too, yeah you know? mm-hmm. yeah they are and so um that's I think that's generally the type of genre he goes for mm-hmm. and uh so that really piques my interest it also said that Lawrence Fishburne was in it and yes, he's awesome okay. yep he's awesome yep. One of my favorite actors. Um, but but yeah, I'm definitely gonna check that movie out. It looks really interesting. I think I came across it a couple of weeks ago, and I just I just looked it up again, realized that's what it was. I'm, I I added it in my watch list. But dude, it's good. It's looks I, interesting. I enjoyed it a lot. Like I and I remember talking to my brother about it, and we we're both like, dude, that movie is just heavy, dude. It is just straight yeah. up heavy. Um, cause like it's just one of those things that like your actions, um, are have consequences with them, good or bad. And yeah. you gotta you gotta live with them, and or or you gotta live with the experiences that you've been through, and try to figure out how to continue on in life despite those um, different things that happen. So incredible movie, though I loved it, loved it. All right, McNeil, what's your big number one, yeah. man? Any predictions? I'm trying to think. You've already said it, so there's a hint there. Okay, so I've said it before. Is it the press? No, no, is it Inception? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Nice. Yeah. I saw Inception when I was 16, first time, and just because of the ending, I was like, I, I got to watch this again. So I immediately watched it again the next day. And I also did that with Seven. I did that with Seven as well. Okay. Um, but I saw Inception, I think, maybe a year or two before watching Seven. Uh, but anyway, so the ending of Inception really puts you on the edge of your seat because you're watching this movie, you know, you're watching the end, and you're watching this top spinner you know, on, on the table, you're watching it spin. And if you've seen the movie, like you and I both have, uh, you know what it means when the top is spinning and what it means if it stops and what it means 
if it continues to spin and never stop. Um, and so the movie cuts to black with the top spinner barely starting to wobble and it leaves you questioning whether Leonardo DiCaprio's character is in reality or if he's still in a dream or if he's gone back to dream like you were talking about. Because, you know, this mm-hmm. movie is it's a heist movie. It's an action movie. It's kind of a thriller, kind of sci-fi, kind of like all the genres combined. And um, everybody knows this movie as the movie that's about a dream within a dream within a dream you know, whatever. And yeah, and that, and that's true, but there's just so many, um, the, the plot of this movie is very complex, very intricate, very well thought out. The world bending, the world building of this movie. And I, and technically I guess the world bending too, like I accidentally said, yeah. because they're, they're <laughs> bending the cities. Um, and so, uh, I mean, it's, it's all, it's, it's just executed so well. When you get to the ending, it's so satisfying because, um, you know, the interesting thing you can talk about, like you said, is kind of a conversation starter. You can talk about it with your friends and uh, whatever the answer is. The interesting thing is that it's the reality that Dom Cobb, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, yep. chose to live in. So his reality for him now might be the dream, but it also yes. might he might he might have, you know, gone back to real life. And the the cool thing is that either interpretation is justified based off mm-hmm. everything that happens in the movie. You can you can. You know, you can uh, argue your side and give relevant points to uh, that supports your your argument as to which is it reality or is it a dream? Yep. You know, and that's something that's really hard to pull off in movies, you know, to, you know, have both sides of the debate justified. And that's interesting. Uh, so you, you think he's in a dream, right? Dude, I do. I do. That's man. what you lean towards. I had to. I, had to, I, I don't. Had to, I don't. I switch. Really? Yeah. From the very moment. I watched that that top spinner wobble. I was like, "No, he's not in a dream." You, I was like, <laughs> I, "I like, I love the the ambiguity of it, but I really don't think he's in a dream." Um, right. And uh, and that that's always been my stance on it. I've never thought he's in he was in reality. And and I think really it's just kind of because he's the expert of it. Though he does have some you know emotional problems based off things he's gone through. He 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 is like the true expert of all of this. And I think that's true, yeah. Um, and I, I just think that it, it to me it just makes sense that it's reality. Just kind of watching it all go through, yeah. and, and to me that would be more satisfying. Though not that the other one, the other interpretation isn't satisfying. But I just I really think he's in in a, in a not a dream. I really think he's in reality. <laughs> um, but dude, you're right. I, I think I could see it that way just because he saw how it totally messed up his his wife, and like. He doesn't. He doesn't want to get that way. He wants to actually know that there is reality around. Yeah. So, for him not to do that would that totally make to sense? To me, too? it's like when he, you know, usually he needs to stay to make sure the top, the the, the spinning top was gonna fall to mm-hmm. make sure he's still in reality. But it's like I think that to me, it's like he knew. He is like, all right, I'm done with all this. I'm leaving it behind. I'm putting it in the past. I'm I'm letting go and I'm stepping back into reality and yeah, not I forgot going about back that. there. I forgot about that. He that's, actually that's kinda, spun it and walked away, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's just that's kind of how I always interpreted it. However, I think there is somewhat of an answer from Christopher Nolan himself. Okay. Because so Michael Caine and I, I don't know like a lot of people say there is no answer, but I, I I've seen this in an interview and I've read it in articles about something Michael Caine said. Michael Caine said or was told by Christopher Nolan. Um, because Michael Caine is like, I don't understand like any of this. Like, like, <laughs> like, what am, am I in a dream or am I in reality? And Christopher Nolan said, every scene you're in is reality. Michael Caine's there at the end. 
you know? Oh, okay. And so I was like, okay. I was like, that also justifies my argument. But I also think you could also just say, Christopher Nolan could also just be like, well, except that scene. You know, if That's he wanted true. to say that, <laughs> because totally because now everything. because now if he's gone back into the dream, Mike, it would make sense for Michael Caine to actually be there. So like that would make sense as well. But uh, I I just love the the conversation that this movie can really start. It's it's interesting, and I like hearing you know different interpretations. It's not even like you can have there's there's two core interpretations, but then it just kind of branches off different areas. You know, it's it's really interesting how that how that works out, but. Inception, as everybody knows at this point, that's my favorite movie of all time. The ending is really what made that movie my favorite. You Dude, know, solid ones. Yeah, that's a solid one. That's yeah. a great movie in general. Yeah. This was a lot of fun, though. Was, yeah, I've got some good movies to go check out Dude, now. Dude, once again, we, we just line up. We like Every time we, we just go down to like that top five, it's just like... Yeah, it gets real similar. You just have to know. Yeah. You just got to know the right movies, people. Yeah. You just got to know the right yeah. movies. You got to check them out. For sure, yeah. But this is this is a lot of fun. It's really interesting. It was cool to see how it kind of kind of played out, you know. But uh, but Tim, so where can people find you on social media? Yeah, man, people can find me on Instagram, Timo Audio. Um, do a lot of singing, do a lot of gigging, stuff like that. I'll throw things on there every once in a while. I teach as well, so you might see some things in my students and how they're progressing as far as their singing is concerned, stuff like that. But um, yeah, give me a follow, give me a like. Um, I'll follow you back. See what you got going on as well, and. Um, love to see what kind of movies you're into as well, man. That's that'd be yeah. that'd be super cool. I, I love finding new movies, so that's always good. Yeah, I'll be sure to link your Instagram in the description of this episode. But Tim, once again, dude, thanks for being on this episode. This was a blast, bro. Always love it, man. This is always it's always it's just hilarious to kind of be able to talk about this stuff and like how they match up so easily, man. Like yeah, three and two right away, boom. It was good. It was perfect. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. This is awesome. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, be sure to tune in for more episodes in this series. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to the McNeil and Friends podcast on the platform you listen to podcasts so you can be notified when new episodes are released. Stay safe out there, everybody, and once again, thank you for listening. Thank you.